I'm Kevin, and welcome to my podcast, Finding My Freedom. How y'all doing this week? Have you been hanging in there like the old rusty nail? (laughs) I know I have. It's been hot and miserable. But, you know, we're getting through it every day. Every day, every day. It's a a good day to get something done. Now, my next guest is very, very interesting. She's a, a empathic healer, somebody who focuses on healing through energy. And I have just been dying to be able to talk to somebody, uh, have a conversation about this stuff, you know, a little bit more, because I have had an intense interest in in the last few years. So we had an epic conversation. I think it was about four hours. And I was listening back through the editing process here, and I really, there was a lot there that I really didn't think I could get rid of, you know, there's a lot of really cool stuff in this conversation, so I think I'm going to break it up into a couple parts, and the first section is about 45 minutes, so, and normally these are 30 minutes long, 30 minutes have really been the sweet spot for this podcast, but... This deserves more time, for sure. So, and hopefully extending this out to a couple episodes or so, we'll be able to get the majority of what we talked about and stuff, which is so much fun. There's a little bit of static in the first 15 minutes. I did the best I could with it. It's still there a little bit, and she's in Germany, and I'm in the U.S., so... I will do my best to catch it the next time it happens. (laughs) So I met her through Sunny Leilani, who is turning out to be a very, very good friend. (laughs) She's playing on Sunny's record. Through her, we talked a little bit and decided it would be cool to do do the podcast. And I was really, really excited to get her on here. So this is Sarah Martinez, a core shamanic practitioner artist and musician hope you guys enjoy it thank you hey sarah how you doing and welcome hey kevin it's so beautiful to have this in my day today. And how are things? Well, it's quite warm in Berlin. I'm having a very warm summer. And um, I'm sitting in the studio just in the middle of days of editing videos. So it's a little bit hot. And I've been taking regular walks outside. But outside, the sun is shining and nature is blossoming. So things are pretty good. Well, I have a ton of questions for you. Oh, that's cool. I just love the shamanism stuff. I feel very connected to that practice. Beautiful. You're also an artist and a musician, too, so... Do you just want to kind of start um, from where you got that musical bug? What inspired you to start playing? Um, Music for me came through um, necessity to communicate emotion in my artwork so I never really yeah I never really considered myself a musician to be honest 
<laughs> and yeah, until I kind of got so much into embodiment and live art that I was kind of making video art and then doing live performances with the video art. And of course, if you're doing a live performance, you need to think about the sound. Um, and then I realized that sound was such an important medium to um, express power and emotional power. Um, and rhythm is so important to express um, emotionality and intention and flow and so many other beautiful aspects of life in live performance. And that's how I got into sound. So it was kind of like through necessity. Oh, wow. So I remember seeing in that short you playing the flute. Now, I played in band as a kid, so so I just thought maybe you started early through school, like I did? Oh, uh, yes, I did. Yes, I did, actually. I did play the flute and the piano when I was younger, like in primary school and um, middle school or, or high school. And I was in the band as well, but I just didn't ever consider it... Um, like I didn't take ownership over that part of who I was, I think. Okay, yeah, I see. But it's such a cool thing to know that you started very young. You started playing an instrument and being involved in sound unintentionally at a very young age. Yes, I think I'm just, like, that was kind of something which I can thank my family for, I guess. Like, my dad was interested in music and he is a drummer um, and he had a lot big record collection and um, though we didn't really ever really have the chance to jam together or celebrate our love of music together I think that um, the relevance of musical instruments was given space for and for that I'm super grateful to my family yeah, because I wasn't exactly always a willing participant in piano lessons or flute lessons. Right. <laughs> when I was a little kid. <laughs> so I'm sure it was that old rigid sort of, you have to sit down for a certain length of time, you have to practice this for a certain length of time, and you have to do that and that. Which is fine, but you can also have fun with it and be a little less rigid. Yeah, I mean, the whole way that you learn uh, music and music theory, like the whole schooling, schooling system is really orientated towards a certain kind of structure of consciousness. Um, and the, like, if it was done in a, as a shamanic ceremony, if we learnt music through shamanic ceremony and through play and through openness to the unknown and curiosity and without having to be bound by any rules, then I think it would have been a lot different. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I, I could totally see that. So, um... <laughs> but, but, yeah, to come back to it after so many years is amazing. Like, the flute... I, I grew up in Australia and now I'm in Berlin, so the flute was stuck in Australia for you know, eight years and I didn't touch it for ages and getting it over here and then picking it up and just jamming again as part of a creative process was like 
reuniting with a piece of myself that I'd forgotten. It's like saying hi to an old friend, and it's also a lot of fun to catch up and get reacquainted with your instrument. Yes, I don't know if you ever have the chance to pick up a trumpet. Do you have a trumpet? Uh, no, I don't. I haven't played one in a long time, so... I really should, because, I mean, I miss it sometimes. Sometimes I think about when I was playing in school, if I had that certain teacher with that little bit of inspiration, you know, might still be playing trumpet to this day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, yes, 100%. But it was that rigid way of, you know, you have to have a practice card, and you have to do this, and you have to do that, and you got to follow this rule, and you got to follow that rule that, like... I mean, I was in first and second chair pretty much the whole time, but I would get really bad marks on my practice card. Wow, so your spirit for music was always there, and maybe you just needed to be free with it. Yeah, I definitely had to have more freedom with it. Like, I had one guitar teacher that when I was really young, he was very rigid mm -hmm. and matter-of-fact about the way everything went, and... I didn't do too well with that dude, but like, I had another teacher that was a little more free and open and had a little bit more progressive way to practice and to do things that made it a lot more fun for me. Yes. So it really was a huge difference going from one teacher to the other, so. And I really think when it comes to like private lesson stuff that it really has to be tailored to each person and how they learn. Yes, definitely. Like, I mean... If you think about everything as metaphysical, sound is like one of the closest creative expressions to really touch into energy of everything. Yeah, for sure. It's like having your higher self on speed dial. <laughs> totally, totally. That's how I feel too. Yeah. And even if you just sing in the shower or hum a little bit, you're still opening up that line of communication. You don't have to be a professional musician or even particularly good at it to get that feeling, you know. It's just the act of doing it and being part of the vibration, you know. Totally. The thing is, it's so healing for the body. Like, I think I actually um, healed and integrated a lot of complex um, like um, incongruencies in my energy field which some people would classify like uh, trauma or something like this uh, with singing and with music and um, basically like the last seven years or so of me like learning how to produce electronic music for example most of it I did to express emotions which were, was more based on a transmutation um, goal and uh, was about rebalancing power inside the body. So I think that like music is a human right for every living being, or not even human right, it's like a living right, isn't it, music? And our leaders in this industrialized world think that logic is the only way. You know, they want to take that away. They want to make it not important. But it is huge. It's part of our development. It's part of who we are. Oh my gosh, it's 
Yes, it's like the most important thing. Right. <laughs> you know, like so many, um, like I literally was just talking to a friend earlier and leaving a message for her saying, are you singing in your days? Are you dancing to music in your days? Because like, you know, it's so easy to get caught in the um, disconnectedness of, self-doubt or um or feeling like we're alone and then you go spiral into the sort of false realities um and singing every day is a way to automatically bring yourself back into one oneness connection with your intuition and your spirit guides and um with your heart resonance so the the natural resonance of your body which is like so rebalancing yeah, I... And also, I think listening practice is interesting with that too. Like being able to listen to the, the voices of, of nature and listening to the wind or... Oh yeah, for sure. The rustling of the trees, the wind blowing, all that is music too, you know? Yes, ah, amazing. A rain, a rain, um, a thunderstorm. Yeah, and you know... People love that. They fall asleep to it, and it's soothing. It's a very natural and easy way to relax, you know? Yeah. Actually, what was I reading the other day that, um, if you think about it, the first nine months of every human's life is spent in water, well, not water, but in womb fluid, and, listen, and we listen to the world the sounds that get transmitted through the fluid of bodies. And um, I felt this was really interesting um, because with sound healing as well, some people actually focus on um, with sound healing as well, some people actually focus on um, not repeating, but um, touching into this early life experience of sound as a way to heal very, very, very early woundings or like woundings that are outside of life and death. So talking about like past life or um, afterlife situations. Sorry, that was quite a jump there. <laughs> I've just been, yeah, I've just been like getting into like reading about dolphin sound healing and whale sound healing and water sound healing and um, how deep this goes into the human experience on a bodily level and um, like I mean thinking about sound as like music theory with notes on a page that's so different isn't it yeah yeah for sure <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> so you said you grew up in Australia. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about what that was like growing up and, and how, how it was? Um, I grew up in Melbourne, in the outskirts of Melbourne. So I lived about a uh, half an hour drive from the city. And um, it was like kind of a quietish suburban area. Um Luckily, it was kind of a bit multicultural. It was pretty multicultural. Like, Australia is quite multicultural. Um, and I don't know. I still felt always a bit like a 
weirdo. I think, you know, I'm Aquarius star sign. So nice. Sometimes we, we take a long time to understand our place <laughs> because sometimes we're a bit different. Well, you um, march to the beat of your own drummer, that's for sure. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so it was comfortable. It's very comfortable in Australia. It's a beautiful place to live, and the quality of life is very, very high. Um, if you're you're like in the city and um, maybe like I think that in Australia there's a quality of life which we don't often speak about and that's obviously about the people who's were the original owners of the land um, who unfortunately are really not treated with the respect that they deserve and are rightfully owed which is very painful and also um, there are like lots of different migratory groups which the Australian government doesn't give enough um, heart-based leadership towards you know caring for and those aspects of Australia really break my heart to be honest yeah so growing up there there was like a I was aware at how lucky I was to live there because, like, my family, part of my family could have stayed in Sri Lanka and then I would have been growing up in Sri Lanka because, like, my dad's side of the family is from Sri Lanka. Really? Um, yeah, so, like, as a kid, I was just always kind of aware to be grateful, but then I also could see many different... Um, kind of liminal spaces which people kind of were where they were not really being catered for and where people were outright being like abandoned sent to detention centers and things like this so that was like a big topic in Australia when I was in my teenage years um, so I think I just got instilled with an activist spirit from very young. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I was always fighting against, fighting for something. But it took, takes me a long time to try and um, understand that actually I want to choose from now on to put my intention into integration and space holding and peace instead of more war energy because. Um, I just, you know, we have so much war energy around us, which is basically super re-traumatizing. And um, I have to now try and focus my actions on building the new, new option for us that's going to be integrative and um, diverse and healing for our world. And obviously with the music and all that, it's a, well, it's a great way to get it out there. Ah, totally. Like, I mean, I have come across your path through working with Sunny Leilani on her album, Ancient Love Story. And um, that whole experience has been like next level heaven on earth, really. Yeah. Like, um, really... (laughs) catapulted uh, my experience of music crossing borders 
and um, touching our hearts on a very deep level and changing our lives, really, because, like, when I'm working on power songs from my colleagues, so Sunny's album and also this year I was working on um, the album of the Spirit Yurt, who is Roberta Pozzola. She's a shamanic practitioner also in Berlin with me here, and um, her music will be produced for the Foundation of Shamanic Studies Europe. Um, like, I found that working on these songs, you know, you'd wake up singing them during the day and they would literally carry me through my day. So the power songs coming through these creators are just carrying me through my entire year and I dream about these songs and um, yeah, to sing them automatically shifts your whole energy signature. So away from, you know, the hustle or the fight, sing a power song and you're automatically transformed into a space of, like, witness, celebration or deep feeling where you can actually kind of uh, transform your whole reality, really. Yeah, you're right. And I love the drum when I'm meditating. It's just... It's just something special that I love to do now. Same for me. Like, I, I don't really, I don't know if I could meditate um, and sit still all the time. Like, I need to um, experience as a walk or as a, as a movement practice or as a music practice. And I think, yeah, meditation is all different kinds of things. It isn't just sitting still. Yeah, for meditating, I always had that m picture in my head of somebody sitting still in a quiet room and all that sort of thing. So I struggled with it at first. But being a musician, you know, um, after finally connecting it where there's a meditation aspect to while we're playing, being in the zone. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I just didn't realize at the time what it actually was. But learning how to get it to the forefront and get it conscious, I thought, man, I'm never going to be able to get this done, you know? I mean, my brain just doesn't work that way. So it was a real struggle at first. And once I discovered the shamanic drumming and that modality, it really back, brought me back to a lot of times of, you know, the humming of the car and falling asleep or a fan or you know that sort of drone yeah that's interesting it reminds you of a car yes i could probably say the same like the windscreen wipers yeah like there's that droning aspect of it like it's that sound that similar sound over and over again it's just a simple easy drone and it's so easy to put you to sleep or get you in the zone. Yes. Ah, and actually, I think that's what I was trying to get at with the the womb sounds. It's also about heartbeats. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's a great way of putting it. Yes, it's about heartbeats. And um, because ultimately, like, the human experience is one of togetherness and connection. Like, we came here, as I understand it, in order to connect, communicate with each other and experience love. Right. Like that comes with connecting with vibration. Like, and I think that the thing about drumming 
And the thing about the shamanic drumming is that it holds a constant sound pool. So imagine like a watery place which your your energy is sitting in. And um, in those moments, it's integrative because whatever you're experiencing at that time, like the incongruent realities of um, like dissociation or all these different traumatic coping me- mechanisms that we have, um, which are also just naturally part of the human experience, the sound pool of the shamanic drumming holds psychic space for those to reconnect with each other. So shamanic drumming heals dissociation. Wasn't it also a way for them to get into a trance, to get to that place where they could go on their journey to try to get the answers that they needed? Definitely, yeah. It opens like a door to another way of sensing and another way of seeing, um, which is more about... um, and embodiment and yeah your intuition which like for, I guess for me that's like a way to that's a doorway to the spirit realm and also for shamanic practice that is the doorway to the spirit realm so it's by staying authentic I just I keep make, making sure that I actually keep practicing and keep um, picking up the drum and connecting with that realm because, like, for us who haven't grown up in, um, like, a bloodline shamanic culture or an indigenous culture or, like, we're coming back to these practices as people who have lost their um, ancestry connection line and there's a lot of wisdom that we, we don't have contact with and we're also super conditioned in the, like, um, other direction that all that deprogramming like we need to keep stay with the practice stay with the practice stay with the practice like because it's so easy to come out of a shamanic journey for example and then analyze with your rational brain and pathologize or or put limitations on your experience which is like the old programming just coming in to judge the intuitional again yeah i mean after meditation, I get a lot of ideas, a lot of creative ideas. A couple of my guitar designs actually came to me coming out of a meditation. It's like, boom, it hit me. I was like, wow, that is crazy. Oh, wow. That's giving me shivers all over my skin. <laughs> That's confirmation. I totally understand and I feel like that is just magical and something like that and that happens it's I hope you you take it as an affirmation that you're on the right path and that you're doing good good stuff and like I'm sure that those creative ideas come from spirit guides oh yeah I mean it's so much more fun to live life this way you know it makes some of the most mundane things in life seem kind of magical and a lot more fun totally totally so much more fun i love it (laughs) i can't remember if it was i read an article or watched a youtube video but it was somebody who was a shaman talking about how like um a modern guy was asking him man i can't believe you don't watch movies or any of that sort of thing and the shaman looked at him and told him 
My movies are much more fun in my head. <laughs> yes. Yes, totally. Totally. So, did you have like uh, an awakening moment, like a point in time where it just clicked and you said this was the way I got to go, like or was it just sort of gradual over time or what happened when it came to that? Um, I have so many of those moments, luckily, <laughs> that I couldn't say, for example, that there was one moment when I um, suddenly, you know, took my fingers and I awoke. And I don't even know if I consider myself woke. I think I'm just on a process of coming back to my heart and you know, trying to honor um, the souls of all, all beings as best I can but like I'm still learning every step of the way and still healing every step of the way um, but I think I went through a period of like maybe six or seven years of um, going really deep into dream realities and um, of my own and also I have an archive which anyone can submit their dreams to, which I receive anonymously over the internet. So I, I feel like the internet's a really special place to talk about dreams. Um, and um, I saw so many patterns in my dreams and also in the dreams of the people who shared with me. And um, coupled with, you know, doing my practice with the foundation of shamanic studies and learning as much as I could and coupled with like art practices I mean, art, art, different art projects that I've always been researching as deep as I could about different interests and, and different um, history and art of the past and like different historical moments like how um, the situation at Wounded Knee went down and what happened with the ghost dance and like learning about different prophets like Smohalla and understanding how all this trying to understand how all this wisdom like makes sense because like if you come across one portion of someone's uh, spiritual practice or one portion of a quote from a shamanic uh, indigenous elder um, it's hard to make sense of it sometimes like I never really understood um, the quote, the power of the earth operates in a circle or everything involved with the power of the earth up goes in a circle, which I think came from Black Elk. Um, and it's only after like seven or so years of going every which way that I understand in my own way what that means. But um, it will... Be, always be in my own way what that means I don't think it's universal for everybody I think like we kind of agree upon some things but everybody has like a, a different way of understanding um, but like the spiritual awakening I, I started to see so many synchronicities so many so 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 many like within every type of reality like within my within all the different facets of life they just couldn't stop coming that I got to a point where I couldn't deny it anymore because I was like super skeptical for ages and always pushing against 
like trying to make sense of things and being a bit like probably annoying <laughs> for my teachers um, and getting like annoyed if they didn't say something that makes sense or something. Um, but um, luckily the answer from teachers was always take a journey, you know, pick up your drum, start drumming and ask your spirits. And so I just went deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and what catalyzed me to kind of come out publicly with this stuff was actually maybe coming up against a lot of pain, I think. Like, the more I opened my eyes and the more I opened my heart and the deeper I tried to understand what things meant, the more pain I could Receive in about everything and like I was always someone who would see quite deeply into systems of emotional um, flow and power dynamics in the sense of where people's intention and attention was going say in my family for example um, but I think I guarded myself against feeling the pain of that because I needed to survive. And there became a point in my life where I could no longer guard myself against feeling that intensity of pain, which is basically heartbreak at the situation of our cultures and um, in the sense of layers of emotional neglect that makes it so unsafe for people to be themselves. Um, and catalyzing that pain and heartbreak into rage and allowing my rage to be like what it is and then treating that as like an inner fire, which I could then alchemize in the direction of, of intention the, that's basically how I went public with everything about what I do. <laughs> and I took the the 2020 change to our whole life situation as um, an opportunity to really um, dig in deep and alchemize this stuff and to really start showing up more. So that's when I opened my access side of the art stuff so like I do one-on-one sessions with people here in the studio um, and um, it just helped me really pull so many disparate elements of what I was doing before and like why you know why I was even wanting to make music like then it started to make sense everything started to make sense so the more I accepted the spiritual side of who I was the more everything started to make sense, but I resisted it for a very long time. <laughs> a very long time. Yeah. And I think if you're a super if you're a super spiritual soul in the sense that if you have the um, openness in your creative uh, capability and if you have a really big heart, like an empathic heart in this lifetime, the more we avoid taking our place and doing what we need to do, the more destructive that energy becomes. By the way, that's very beautiful what you just said because it's so true. We're taught in such a linear fashion. You know, you got to climb up the ladder, 
you can never look down, you know, that sort of thing. And which, yes, yeah. part of that's true, but there's also a part of it that brings you back to the beginning. Every time there's an ending, there's a beginning, right? So there's a circle there too. And nobody talks about the cycle part of things, yeah. you know? So yes, there is definitely a linear point, but there's also a cyclical point, right? So you climb a little bit and then you go back to the beginning, you start a new project or whatever you got to do, you climb a little bit and then you go back to the beginning, you start a new totally. project. Totally. And also like you go back to old projects and you start seeing them in a totally different light. They make so much sense. Sometimes. Yeah, especially since you've probably grown a little bit, right? So like you have a completely different perspective on it now than what you did when you first started with it. So, yeah, I totally get that. Totally. And I think it's super hard when, like, obviously hindsight, that's the, you know, the beauty of hindsight, but it's, it's more than that. It's like, um, I think that if you spend time doing this practice of seeing everything in a circle and understanding that like this is like a huge process and that nothing's ever really finished but we're reworking ourselves and we're just going deeper and deeper and deeper um it then means that like every time we have a struggle that or, or have fear about the future we can kind of shift our perspective into understanding it as like a deepening or an initiation rather than a a death an end yeah so i mean death can be considered a transformation too in itself yeah yes it's the end but it's also the beginning oh, totally yeah i'm kind of looking at it like a tarot card you know like the death card it is the ending of one thing and the beginning of another so beautiful like stepping into the complete unknown and that would be the fool. Yes, <laughs> the fool, the fool. <laughs> and to trust that even if you don't have all the answers, you're going to figure it out eventually. <laughs> and I think, like, in order to grow that practice, something that I've really loved to learn from my friend Roberta, who I mentioned from the Spirit Yurt earlier, um, is to always give offerings. So to always give offerings forward so you're keeping yourself in good stead, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> offerings might be, like, watering um, local trees or um, taking care in your own way of, of any kind of beauty around you in communal spaces or... Yeah, or even, like, donating your time, doing something kind... And not advertising it, you know, it's just sort of you're just doing it just because you can or because you feel compelled to, not because you need the recognition. Yes, or you're doing it to keep the flow of power in circulation. Like the, the, the circle, rebuilding the circle. Yes, most definitely. Did you say, like, since 2020 that you've been more out front and public with your shamanism and trying to help people with that? Or or have you slowly been working with other people and you're sort of using that time as like, okay, this is the date I started my company sort of thing? Um, 
Well, I mean, I started to practice probably around 2014, 2015. And then I just studied and studied and studied and studied. And it took me a long time to integrate the practice of doing this um, on the outside of my identity and also to understand how it could authentically fit with an art project because it has to be authentic. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, it took me ages to, to work it out on a healthy ego level and that's a constant practice, especially like for Westerners to come into these practices. I think it's like... In the shadow work is super important to check that what are the motives of us um, talking about these techniques and, and having it as part of our artistic practice, like it has to make sense. So, I mean, I did a lot of personal shadow work and um, it was, there, there was always this thread of mysticism and oracles and dreaming running through my artwork, but I didn't have the personal power to really stand behind it as publicly as I realized I needed to. Yeah, setting intentions and following through. So, like, because in order to make a, um, a praxis functional, I really needed to, you know, put it on Google Maps and uh, put a sign on the door, even though it's a little piece of paper, and um, you know, start using social media, you know, and show up on the on the scene as that, and stand behind it. And it wasn't so easy because in the music scene here, I guess it's um, well, I, I'm guessing that might be everywhere. Art and music, it's um, sometimes more common that um, people keep their spiritual practices as you know unspoken about in their work and maybe would be publishing more finished work and just focusing on the music itself whereas I'm a bit more like I want to talk about the um this this everything like the ethics and the emotional side of it and the healing capacity of it and the techniques because I think, yeah, I'm, I'm that kind of activist that just wants to everyone to connect with the earth again. <laughs> I want everyone to, you know, uh, be able to grow up, grow up in a in a safe community. And I want, you know, the most sensitive people amongst us, and the tiniest insects, and the the native plants of our areas to be respected and given a voice. That's how I feel. Yeah, I think that's a great thing in the fact that you're discovering your process while going through the process is pretty, pretty awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, each each artist has their own way of working with these uh, different ideologies and concepts that underpin everything that they do. And um, basically for me, I had to jump over the, and I still do every day, jump over the self-critical action of you know this this girl's crazy or um how dare she how dare she talk about this uncomfortable stuff or you know what right do I have to be speaking about anything and I think that just personally for me that was really about healing um so many different layers of 
cultural woundings and well there's part one stick around for next week uh we'll do part two and uh thanks for stopping by and i appreciate everybody and have a great great week